saw the uh, off an aircraft carrier, how they might get jets off an aircraft carriers. They literally uh, they call catapult a jet off. It's really like a slingshot. That's what they do. They have a, a shield that rises up, and they put the jet on maximum power, which they call an afterburner, which is just wide up and as hard as it, it's like having the gas all the way down. And they have this this slingshot where this a track where it's sitting on, and it basically the jet starts taking off, and the slingshot slings it out there because it could never get enough speed. Up. Even though the fastest jet in the world could never get enough speed up to get off a the carrier deck because it's short for a runway. And uh, what the Lord, I feel like the Lord has been showing me is the Lord wants to catapult people into the supernatural realm. You hear what I'm saying to you? He wants to do that. In other words, what it would have taken you a long time to do under normal, normal conditions, God can do it in a real quick hurry. Amen? Come on, y'all got to be more than this. Gosh. If you want what the Lord has shown me, the Lord has been speaking to me and telling me that He is wanting and is attempting to equip me and train me for the supernatural. Amen? That's what He's doing right now. And so, you know, I really want to encourage you that this is something God's doing and trying to do for the church, for the body of Christ. This is the season we're in right now. This is a specific thing the Lord's trying to do to equip the church for the supernatural because that's what we're supposed to be anyway. You know, somehow we, we haven't made it into that as far as the out, out working out. But God really is. And uh, and I shared earlier, and I'll, I'll share it again, but I'll just go ahead and quick say, one of the, if you study the Scripture, and if you study any move of God that has ever occurred since uh, Pentecost, the one thing that always happens, the first thing that God starts doing is healing people. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? The, the ghost, the, go study Jesus' ministry. The first thing Jesus did was heal. God releases healing, that is like the forerunner thing that God does in any move to get people's attention that He's at work. Because that gets people's attention when people get healed. Right? Especially if you, but if you're just sitting there religious and you know, not sick, well, it doesn't get your attention. But if you're sick and need God to touch you, it makes a big difference. So the Lord's doing that. So this morning, let's put up Matthew 6, 9 through 10. In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's what we want to talk about, the will of God. And I just shared with you what I believe the will of God is for the church right now. It's for the supernatural. Okay? Your will be done on earth. That's what God's trying to release people. That's what God wants to equip us in is the supernatural. That's I believe I can say this with all confidence. That's the will of God for us, is the heavenly places. Okay? And He teaches how to live from the heaven, from the heavenly places, and teaches how to function from there. Instead of, hey, you know, this thing about chains this morning, really, it, really what the real deliverance is, is getting you free from this earth. Getting you free from this atmosphere and getting you where you can live in the heavenly places. Because there's no bondages in the heavenly realm. There's no bondages there. So we're bound in our minds many times and in our soul realm, and God wants to break those chains so we can live free the way God designed us to live. Let's turn over and look at Luke 22, verse 39 through 46. And I want to read one of the great prayers in the Bible, okay? Uh, this is the same, this is Jesus' version of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. So that's number one. I want you to get that word. Everybody say, followed him. If you're going to begin to walk into heavenly places, be supernatural, all this, you've got to follow the Lord into this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. It is necessary for you to go there. And y'all know what Gethsemane means. It means olive press. That's the place where they crush the olives. Ooh, everybody say crush the olives. To get the olive oil. Everybody say olive oil. That's the anointing. That's the heavenly thing is the oil. Okay? It's the, so that's where you've got to go. You've got to follow him into this place. Also, this place speaks of, you know, the original garden, the Garden of Eden, which was really man's, uh, you know, intended as paradise where the tree of life is. 
that's where you find it. Okay, so you've got to follow Him here. So if you've never had this Garden of Gethsemane experience, you need to have it. Okay, all right, go on. And it says, And when He came to the place, He said to them, said to them Pray that you may not enter into temptation. There is a great temptation when you come to this place in Gethsemane. Just like the enemy was in the garden back in Eden, you know, he slipped in there like a snake and uh, tempted, tempted man, and caught, you know, man fell because of giving in to the temptation. In the Gethsemane place, in the place where that God wants to break, that this doorway is what it is. It's a doorway into the supernatural. There's going to be temptation. There's going to be temptation of unbelief. That's your biggest temptation is unbelief. Your biggest temptation is what your mind thinks. And you've got to really take that mind, every thought captive, under the obedience of Christ. That's where you've really got, that's where, the, you know, this is where your temptation is going to be, to, to fall into this unbelief and not believe the Word of God. All right? And he, was, with, and he has, was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. So the Lord's nearby. Stone's throw for, for most people is fairly nearby. He's not, you know, the Lord's not going to leave you here. You need to know He's right there with you. Stone's throw away. Okay, and he knelt down and prayed. So I believe we can also get this, is the Lord is interceding for you this morning. The Bible says that Jesus ever lives to intercede for us. That's what he, he says about Christ. He ever, he's right there. He's, he's right there for you. And I know there's been times in my life in the past where I just felt alone. I felt like there was nobody for me, but the Lord kept reminding me, no, I'm, if nobody else is praying for you, I'm praying for you, Byron. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm there for you. And the Lord wants you to know that this morning. No matter how you feel this morning, if you don't have anybody, and if everybody's deserted you, God has not deserted you. He's, Jesus is interceding for you, standing in the gap, crying out for you. And He's right there. And you know, you know somebody whose prayers get answered is Jesus' prayers. I promise you, His prayers don't get ignored. Amen? So you can be encouraged that His prayers are going to be answered. But then he, he was praying, Father, if it is your will, everybody say, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Anybody got a cup they would like God to take from them? Everybody has to face the cup. Everybody's got a cup they would like to get rid of. Okay? There's not a person in this room that doesn't have a cup. They would like to dump. You know, nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, your your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, if you really want to come into the power of the resurrection, okay, because that's what the resurrection. This happened after this prayer. If you want to come into the power of God, this is your prayer this morning. This is the secret for you. It's a matter of your will this morning. Everybody with me on that? We'll come back to that in just a second. We'll just go on and finish this up. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Okay, go on. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. I want to tell you this, just in case you don't know this. That's a literal condition that happens in people. Is you, you and I can sweat blood. And it happens when you get under such stress. And what, what happens to your body under great stress, I've never experienced and I don't believe I'm going to have to, is your, you know, you've got three layers of skin. Your outer layer of skin actually separates from the second layer. And the, your normal perspiration that you sweat, you know, and you're under stress, you're going to sweat, it mingles with the blood that, is, you know, because there's been this separation in your skin. Your skin don't fall off of it, just there's a separation. And that's what was happening. That's how much agony Jesus was in. That's how much stress He was under when He was in the garden. There's a, the garden's a stressful place, everybody. You, if you, your Gethsemane is going to stress you pretty seriously. It's going to be, it's going to be a crushing place. Olives don't like being crushed. You know, <laughs> at least this olive doesn't. I don't know about you. And when he rose from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Everybody sleeping from sorrow. All right, let me ask you a question this morning. Anybody got any sorrow in this life this morning? I'm, t I'm talking sorrow. Raise your hand if you do. Well, the Lord wants to tell you this about sorrow. Sorrow causes you to go to sleep spiritually. You hear what I'm saying to you? There's a great danger when you get in sorrow spiritually. A great danger. 
We need to be real careful. If you've got disappointment in your life or loss in your life or hurt in your life, and you have sorrow over it, you need to know something. You're in a dangerous place spiritually because look what Jesus said next. He found us leaving sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? You know, rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. In other words, he was saying, your sorrow has put you vulnerable to temptation. You're vulnerable right now. You're sleeping spiritually. You're not connected in spiritually. And because of your sorrow, temptation is there for you. And you could be, you know, the enemy could, could really take advantage of you in this situation. So this morning, if you got sorrow at the end of the service, if you want to be prayed for, we would love to pray, you know, um, and the Lord release happiness and joy into your life. Amen? And uh, so it dis- sorrow does disconnect us spiritually. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but what I want to just talk briefly about is your will versus God's will. And because each of us are born with a separate and distinct will that is separate and distinct from God's will. You were born with that will. God has a specific will. It's called a heavenly will. It's a spiritual will for you and I. Okay? But the problem is God Himself has chosen to leave our will and our... our, be our total responsibility. We are totally responsible for our will. God will not do anything about your will. God will not override your will. God leaves your will in your hand and says, this is what you need to do with your will. You have to surrender your will. You have to. That's the only thing that you can do with your will is you can surrender your will. You can give your will to God. And until you give your will to God, that God can do nothing about your will. Not one thing. Now, He can make your life miserable for you. He can cause circumstances in your life to not work. But He will not come in and override your will. And that's just the way it is. God didn't create us to be robots. He gave us that free will. Turn over to Psalm 1-6, Brian, verse 13. Everybody with me so far? I want you to understand this about your will. So your will is that part of your soul realm that makes choices, that makes decisions, okay? And that's what we're going after today because therein, within you, is the gateway to supernatural. If you surrender that will. If you want to walk in the power of God, if you want to walk in the power of resurrection, there would be no resurrection today if Jesus would not have surrendered to the Father's will. Because Jesus had this will Himself. We'll go back and just look at that one more time. I could, well, let's look at that right now. Let's, uh, before we jump on that, let's look at verse 42 and 43 just to, so we can see Jesus had a will. Jesus was a man with a separate and distinct will. Father, if it is Your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what? My will. Jesus had a will that was separate from God as a man. And Jesus had to surrender that separate will. You've got to surrender that separate will because you have a will. God created you with a will. But that will is not heaven's will. Jesus as a man had a separate and distinct will from God. And if He had one, you got one. Because we are created in God's image. So uh, let's just go on and... uh, We'll come back to that verse 43 in a minute. And let's read Psalm 106, verse 13 through 15. Okay? Now, I want you to get the picture here. Children of Israel in the desert. Now, remember, God gave them to us as a picture and an example for us on how, what? Not to be. Right? We don't want to be like them because they they didn't do what God called them to do. It says, They soon forgot His works. They did not wait for His counsel but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. He gave them requests. All right, here's what happened. This is what this is referring to. God gave Israel manna from heaven to eat. Right? Everybody knows that, manna. That's what He gave them to eat that when they were in the wilderness. But they lusted. They wanted meat. The manna wasn't good enough for them. Remember, they wanted this quail. They lusted for meat. So the Bible says that God sent a flood of quail in there. And then they ate it. And they said, it was before, I mean, it was, it was stuck in their teeth still. 
And something happened to them. This leanness came on. This emptiness came on. This, this thing happened to them that really hurt them. So you see, God has this heavenly will, this heavenly lifestyle for us, but we've rejected it. You and I have rejected the will of God in our life. He's created us to be spiritual people. And we've rejected it for a worldly life, a natural life, a mental life, a, a, a life of reason, a life of, of a cause and effect that we can explain. And we've rejected it just like they rejected it. But what happens because we've rejected the will of God in our life, it has sent a leanness, it has sent emptiness into our soul realm. And we've starved and tried to fill our life with things. But nothing ultimately satisfies. And there's many Christians, unfortunately, many Christians who could have been, you know, spiritual giants, but because they refused the will of God, because they came to this place of Gethsemane where their will and God's will collided and there had to be one that wins and one that loses, there's one. And they became lean in their life. And down the road, years later, their lives were destroyed because back there in the garden, they've refused to submit to the will of God. They refused to let their will go. And their life went astray. Their life wasn't designed according to heaven. See, everybody wants to know what the will is. What's the will of God? What's the will of God? But they're not willing to go through the garden of Gethsemane to find it. Because the first thing you've got to do, if you're going to know the will of God in your life about anything, if you're really going to know it, if you're really going to be heavenly, you've got to give your will. You've got to surrender your will. You have to. It's a must. It's an absolute must. It's a spiritual must. And I prayed for one person this morning and he said, listen, I don't really want to do this. I don't want to give my will up. He was being real honest. I said, well, can you be willing to be willing? Yeah, I can be willing to be willing. Well, I'm going to pray for you that you would be willing to be willing to give up your will. I mean, we'll go back as far as we need to go because I know when you pray that, God goes to work and God knows how to make it get a person to a place of willingness. We're sincere with Him. But I'm telling you, if you want to go somewhere in God, if you want to be heavenly, if you want to be supernatural, if you want to live your life the way God expected you to live it, you're going to have to get, get, get with God on this issue of your will. There's no way you can't escape it. I told the story of my brother-in-law when he first got saved. Me and him got saved you know, within weeks of each other. The man was a powerhouse, a spiritual powerhouse, weeks old as a Christian, months old as a Christian. He could speak and there was such authority on his words. That man has tried to kill himself a half a dozen times over the last two years. A wasted life. That's 30 years ago. Because there came a place in his life where his will and God's will clashed and he refused to submit his will to the will of God and it pretty much destroyed his life. And that man will tell you today, he's born again, he's trusting God for salvation, but he's tried to kill himself because he is in such agony. That's ultra-leanness. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to you if you don't surrender your will to God, but there's many of people who had callings and their lives were wrecked. You know what his lives was wrecked over? Smoking marijuana. That's what wrecked that man's life. And it went from smoking marijuana to alcoholism to uh, cocaine, crack cocaine. That's what it went from. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you this morning it's evil. That's why Jesus said, listen, be careful, there's temptation there. About a year after I was saved... I started being tempted to smoke marijuana. I was a drug guy before I got saved. I was, a, I was a criminal before I got saved. A real criminal. I mean, broke into buildings. Did, I mean, did all kinds of criminal activities. I was about as immoral as you could get. I got saved. The Lord delivered me a supernatural experience with God. About a year after I got saved, I had this temptation to smoke marijuana again. I mean, that was sort of the, the nothing drug for me. Time I, got, I mean, that was nothing. You know, I smoked marijuana every day for years. It was like smoking cigarettes to me. And I got tempted to smoke marijuana again. And I remember Becky and I were up in the mountains at this cabin in the middle of nowhere. It was so dark at night you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. I was so far out in the woods. And I had this tremendous temptation. I had this joint. I got it from the same guy who's now trying to kill himself. You know, and I was tempted to smoke it. And I finally told Becky. I told her I couldn't because I, you know, been married about a year. I just want to be honest and... You know, plus I couldn't go run off somewhere and smoke the joint. There was nowhere. It was too dark to go outside, you know. And she said, well, you know, let's just pray first. If you want to do it, let's pray first. She started praying. 
And the power of God came on her, and she started praying in tongues, and I knew God was saying to me, Byron, this is, I don't want you smoking this joint. And you're going to have to make a decision right now what you're going to do with your life. It was a crossroads for me. And I knew God didn't want me to smoke the joint, but everything in me wanted to smoke it. Everything! My whole will was wrapped around smoking that stupid joint. But somehow in my heart, I knew God didn't want to tell me. And for some unknown reason called grace, I chose not to smoke that joint. I took it and ripped it up because I wasn't going to throw it down because the next day I'd have been looking for it. I knew me! I tore it, tore it all up and threw it in the woods. And I remember waking up the, and, and it killed me to do that. It hurt to do that. It was painful. I remember the next morning waking up just craving. I was so tempted by it. It wasn't like I was delivered instantly. I remember for three weeks, every day of my life, it felt like I was going to die over the temptation. And then one morning I woke up and it was gone. Completely gone. And I've been around pot smokers and drug addicts and it's like, y'all crazy. <laughs> Who would want to do that? I'm telling you, God can deliver you. But I'm telling you, if I would have went that road, that I feel like if I would have made that decision that night, I would be trying to kill myself today. Because leanness comes into your soul when you're outside the realm of heaven. And you're not there. And I'm telling you today, I don't care what temptation, what you're thinking about, God can deliver you. God can set you free. He wants to. But you had to make a choice. I had to tear the joint up. I had to throw it away. I had to wake up the next, next day and keep making that choice. And I'm not going to run back to my brother-in-law and get another joint from him. And the moment came when it wasn't even an issue for me. It took three weeks, every day of three weeks. I remember the morning distinctly waking up thinking, I'm free. What's different? I'm free. I'm free. God's delivered me. And you can be delivered and set free. Change your life. It will change your life. So, um, anyways, all right, here's the thing. All right, so this is what happened to me. Okay, let's go back to verse 43 of verse 22. Oh, what I wanted to say, let me just make this really clear to you about the manna, the leanness. Here's what happens to the Christian when you don't choose the will of God. It opens the door for the religious spirit to come into your life. Religious spirit will trick you and make you think you're living a godly life and doing godly things and really is killing you. It's, it's, a, it's a clever spirit. So when we uh, dismiss God's will, we open the door, we, we put a sign out, Welcome religious spirit. Come on in. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. But somewhere down the road, we are going to hate it all. The very thing that it tells you to do. Because that's what it does. Religion is really wicked and dangerous. I'll tell you, if you're influenced by religious spirit, you, it's wicked. Because it's a lot cleverer than just an old, you know, uh, drug addict spirit or whatever, whatever that is. Um, so, um, verse 43 there. Are y'all with me so far? I don't want to just keep going on here, but I really want you to get this. God wants to equip us for the supernatural. God wants to catapult us. You ever remember the space shuttle has those big old booster rockets on it? That it, it, once it breaks Earth's atmosphere, those rockets drop off. Well, that's what God wants to do for us. He wants to give us a booster rockets to get us out of the Earth's atmosphere. Okay, and it's called surrendering your will. He wants to catapult you off the ship, slingshot you up there. It's called surrendering your will to Him. That's what slingshot. And guess what happens? Once you make that decision, I, was, I didn't know about this kind of stuff back then. I wish I'd have known. I wish somebody had told me this stuff. There's a supernatural world, Byron. It's not just Christianity getting saved. But now that you've surrendered, it says an angel appeared to Jesus from heaven. The first thing, the first thing that happened to Jesus, the first thing when He surrendered, the first, let me get this in your mind, God wants to restore the ministry of angels to the church because we have believed a lie about them. We believe lies. So if you don't really like all this talk about angels, get your eraser out. Find the near about 250 times in the Bible that it appears and erase those verses. And the majority of erased verses are going to be in the New Testament. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? If you don't like the angel talk, erase them from the Bible. Erase about 200 verses out of, the, out of your New Testament Bible. God wants you to know we have been ripped off. God created angels to help us, to bless us, to glorify Him, to be examples of obedience, of worship. 
We hear this religious thing, well, you can't talk about angels and you know, all that trash. It's trash! We're being robbed! They, they came to Jesus when He surrendered. When Peter was laying in jail, surrounded by guards, fixing to have his head chopped off the next day, the Lord sent an angel to him. He said, get up from there. Put your pants on, son. We're leaving. Open this door of the gate of the prison. Walks by these sleeping guards. An angel did that. Peter thought, well, heck, am I dreaming? He didn't know. He didn't know if he was dreaming or if it was real. It was real. Paul was on a ship in a hurricane for 14 days. Apostle Paul. 14 days. They were sinking. I, I shared earlier, my dad told me when he was in World War II, he was in the Pacific War and being shipped over there on these troop carriers where they had these things over there and he's packed all these soldiers down in there. Like these waves coming over the ship. He said he stayed sick for a week blowing up. Can you imagine being stuck there and a bunch of soldiers everybody throwing up? That's how reckless the sea can be for a non-sailor. Can you imagine that ship pausing? They weren't eating. They didn't want to eat. They couldn't think about eating. I remember the time I went deep sea fishing. This is the worst mistake of my life. Me and Jim Hill, we were going to go deep sea fishing. We've run our mouth for days about going deep sea fishing. So finally we get out there. I get me an egg sandwich at the 7-Eleven on the way out there. Eat it on the boat, just having a big old time. The boat drives out five miles or so, to the, however long it goes. I throw my hook over and I say, I don't feel good. And I threw up. I bent over and threw up. I threw up for four hours. I was sore the next day from dry heaves. It was miserable. I wrapped myself around this pole down in the bottom of the ship, just held on to it and threw up. That's what I did for four hours. How can you imagine being like that for a week? Can you imagine what was happening on this boat with Paul? They were despairing of life. Guess what the Lord does? The Lord sends an angel to Paul. And the angel says, Paul, don't tell these people this. Everything's going to be okay. The ship's going to sink, but everybody's going to be saved if they'll listen to you. And Paul gets up and says, eat something. My God has sent his angel to me. Yet we are in a church who has a hard time believing in angels or says you can't talk about angels. That's a lie from hell. We're being robbed. We need a new theology on angels. We need a new theology on angels. And we need the theology that's in here. That's what we need. The theology. It's, it's in here. And uh, so, for, turn over to 1 John 4. God wants to equip us for the supernatural. You hear what I'm saying to you? Part of it is this whole angelic spiritual realm. The Lord woke me up in the middle of the night last night and gave me this verse. And, and this is what He said to me. Byron, this verse is in the Bible because there's a spiritual world. You need to be able to understand how to interact in this spiritual world and how to know what's real and what's counterfeit. That's what He said to me. So I'm thinking, yeah, that's a great verse. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Don't believe every spirit. But test the spirits. That's what it's saying. You've got to test these things. Don't just believe anything that appears to you. Whether they are of God. But test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And they're being influenced by these false, these, these bad spirits, these demons. But this, you know, the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses, listen to this, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That's the Bible test. If an angel appears to you, talks to you, this is what you can do. You can pull out the old test. I've got a test for you. You should pull it out. Now. Hey, wait a minute. Before you go any further, I've got a test for you. Okay? Do you confess, do you believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Yes or no? Answer the question. I don't know. I don't really understand this because I can sit here and lie and say, yeah, I believe it, but I'm not an angel. I'm not a spirit. Okay? So this is what the Bible says. Okay? And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. Simple as that. That's the biblical test. That's all we need to know. It says Satan can come as an angel of light. There's no question. Yeah, there's only about three verses in the whole New Testament where it sort of kind of gives some, a little bit of warning ones about worshiping angels. Don't do that, idiot. <laughs> hey, guess what? I know, I, this is what I put on the, let me give you this. I, a man wrote me a letter, Matthew knows this story, and said an angel had spoken to him. Okay? He said, an angel spoke to me and gave, has given me a message for Revelation. And I read 
read his letter, and in his letter he mentioned angel about 50 times. He even said, you know, one of these angels that really spoke to me was so powerful, I almost tried to worship this angel. Can I come speak at your church? Now let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand. But do you think I should let that man come speak at this church? Some of you are going to say no. But you know what? Let me show you the letter he sent me. Show you this letter. Okay? This is the letter. It's called Revelation. Okay? The Apostle John, the beloved disciple, 90-something years old, didn't post the Lord anybody on this worship angel. I, it's just like this. If somebody sent us a letter like this today, the majority of churches in the United States, this man would not be welcome in the churches. That's how far away we've gotten. Well, you almost worship the angel. What's wrong with you? You can't speak in our church. Forcing the angel to say, hey, don't do it. You're messing up, John. Don't worship me. Worship God. You see what I'm saying? How far away we have fallen? Hey, you spent me a letter. You, said, you mentioned angels 50 times in that one lady thing. I'm going to let you speak. And you told me an angel gave you a message. Duh, something's wrong with you, mister. Think about it a minute. Think about it. Apostle John. That's the Bible. That's the letter you read, you and I read and revere as one of the books of the Bible. So, um, anyways, it says, we're, and every spirit that does not confess, and this is the spirit of Antichrist. Any spirit that's against what God's doing, the anointing, which you have heard has come and is now already in the world. So, um, you know, we need to test the spirits. We don't need to just accept it. We need to make sure this is your test. This is like, I'm pulling out a final exam on you, angel. You know, if you pass this, we can go from here. And you should do it. And I'm saying this because I'm going to believe this for me, and I'm hoping you believe that the angels are going to start coming and revealing themselves to you and talking to you. And you need to be able to know, okay, wait a minute now. The Bible does say Satan's tricky. I want to make sure you ain't from the wrong camp. That's all you got to do. If it passes the test, let's go. I'm good with you. Come on with me. Let's go do some stuff. You know, let's go whip up on some people. You know, get them saved. Um, the Lord wants to equip us. All right, now, one Psalm 144. Let's go to that. Psalm 144. This is what the Lord wants to do. The Lord wants to equip us. He wants to train us. And this is a psalm all about being equipped and trained for what God wants to do for God's will and the benefits of it. And that's really like, wow, okay, because I like benefits, and you should want these benefits for you, okay? David, this is David, okay? Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. That's what God is wanting to do. I'm telling you, God wants to do that for you right now. That's what God's doing in the, in the church right now. For those who are willing to allow Him to, to equip them and train them to not do a ground war, but a heavenly war. To live in the heavenlies, be heavenly. He's willing to do that for you. He will take you there and teach you that. Get you ready for that and so you can really function the way we've been called to function. Everybody hear what I'm saying? I believe that's the Word of the Lord. I believe it strongly. And I'm telling you, it's coming a day, maybe in our lifetime, maybe in the younger people's lifetime, maybe in the grandchildren's lifetime, when it will be an absolute must. You know, like we was, we, Becky and I read this big article in the paper about the bird flu recently, and they were saying this. It's not a matter of, of if, but when. And they're saying, you know, when it, if it, when it does hit, they will, the government will have to shut down any... You can't have church like this. You can't have a gathering of people. What's the church going to do? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? I mean, the first thing I thought, dang, I'm going I'm to go broke. This is how I get my income, Lord. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to be supernatural. I'm going to have to trust God. But guess what? You may have to too. We may come to a time when the only way we're going to survive is supernaturally. is to know what God's saying. There's people who live in Israel, Christians, to this day, that's how they live. Lord, i got to go to the grocery store this morning. I would like to stop by Starbucks and get a coffee. Should I do that? No, don't stop at Starbucks because it's going to get blown up by terrorists this morning. Don't go to the Harris Teeter. Go to the food line on the other side of town because that Harris Teeter is coming down. 
There's people who are having to live like that. They have to hear God. Baby, when you get in those kind of situations, your will about what you want to do means nothing. You want His will. He wants to train you today for that, to live like that now. And if it doesn't happen to us, I want my baby girl, Emma, my grandchild, I want to pass that heritage down to her. As a little girl, she's walking in this. She's living in it. And, we, and it can happen. If we'll submit ourselves, if we will lay our will on the altar and say, not my will, Father, but your will. Because that's where it's at. So anyway, uh, then he goes on in verse 2. Are y'all with me? My loving kindness and my fortress. My high tower and my... See, that's what we're talking about. God protecting you. God putting a shield around you. Nothing can get to you. You're in God's will. Nothing's going to happen to you outside of God's will. And if it was God's will for them to, you know, shoot you, He'd say, well, you know, head on over to Starbucks. You're going to die this morning. You know, go ahead and tell everybody goodbye. I'm glad to die. I'm like Paul. I've become so spiritual. I'm, I'm thinking this is better to be there. You know, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. I mean, that's how we can become. Okay? So my shield and the one of whom I take refuge who subdues the people, who subdues the enemies under me. Well, it goes on. It's tremendous. Matthew's going to shoot something in here in a moment. Uh, whenever you feel like it, Matthew, that he's, he's got on this. I've been re- I read this. This is the first time I've ever done this. I thought, I'm not reading anything else in the Bible for a week except Psalm 144. <laughs> when it's on vacation, and I decide, that's what I'm going to read. I'm going to read it in every version of the Bible that I got, which are on my computer. I have lots of versions of the Bible on my computer. I'm going to read it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to regurgitate it and then swallow it again. I'm going to get what God wants me to get. But this is the thing that really captured my heart the most. is verse 11. It says, Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners. Again, whose mouth speaks lying words. And I want to say this this morning. That can be lying Doctrines, doctrines of demons, the doctrines that we have been perpetuated upon as the church to keep us down and not keep and keep us from being who God's called us to be. Okay, or it can be you know just old demonic out and out and in your face lawlessness and you know homosexual pornography, all you know all the wicked stuff in the world. The church is full of a, a equal wickedness called religion that just wants to destroy you and is eating your life away. Man, we got to get that out of our hearts. Uh, whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. You know, right hand means fellowship. You know, the right hand of fellowship. You know, religion will slide into your life cunningly, only to, you know, it's like cut your throat and you're not looking. That, all right, now this is it, verse 12. This, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. You know, this is agricultural society. They look at things agriculture. A son, I have two sons in their twenties, young men. Okay, our sons may be as plants grown up, grown up plants or fruit bearing plants. In other words, my sons don't have to be fifty three years old to become fruitful in their life. They can be fruitful as young men. They can be fruitful spiritually and naturally. Okay? If I submit my will to God. Lay my will down. God promised me my children will be blessed. Okay? That's, that's His promises. Right? And then it goes on and says, And our daughters may be as pillars in a sculptured palace, and sculptured in palace style, which would be, you know, the, and this is a beautiful woman of God. Look at her. Sculptured a pillar in the house of God. A young woman. Powerful in God. That's what God wants to do. And I, I'm thinking, you know, what I do is going to affect my family. It's going to affect my family. It's not just going to affect me. It's going to affect Aaron and Grace and Philip, Emma, Heather, Michael, Philip's future wife. It's going to affect them. So if you don't have kids today, your future kids. If you, you're never going to have kids, maybe it's your spiritual children, maybe it's your spouse. Okay? But then it goes on. That our barns may be full. Anybody, anybody like to have a full barn? I'm talking, baby, you may not be a farmer, but you may have a checking account. You know? 
I'm talking about you may have a spiritual life being full. We're talking about God blessing your life, prospering you. In higher way, God wants to do it, but you know, it can be it can be natural prosperity. I'm not against that. That's when the Bible says God adds riches to a man, he gives riches to a man, and adds no sorrow to it. God's given you to it to be a blessing in your life. Okay? And um, that our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands. We're talking about unheard of prosperity in the middle of a world that has gone bad. In the middle of a church that's asleep from sorrow because it's so messed up. You and I can have that. That's what God wants to equip us for. Are you asleep this morning? That our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce, and our sheep may bring forth thousands, ten thousands in our fields. That our oxen may be well laden, and that there may be no breaking in or going out. Nobody's going to break in and steal anything. Nobody's going to leave who ain't supposed to leave. Nobody's going to fall away from the Lord. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be in God's gracious mercy uh, that there be a no outcry in our streets. Happy are the people who are in such a state. How would you like to be happy this morning? I mean, honestly, anybody want to be, get happy? People tell you you can't preach happiness because it's tied to circumstances. Well, I'll tell you, the Bible says we can be happy. Why can't we be happy? Why do we have to say, well, I'm going just for the joy and because joy is not tied to circumstances. I want to be joyful. I'm not eliminating joy by saying I want to be happy. But I'm saying the Bible is saying you can be happy because your circumstances are blessed by the Lord. The presence of the Lord is in your life. The presence of the Lord is in your home. You're happy. Things are working. You're not beat to death. You're not miserable. You're not ugly and stupid anymore. You know, Unhappy people can get quite ugly and stupid acting. Okay? Happy are the people in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is what? The Lord. That's the secret. It's when He's, when you have submitted your will, that's how He becomes Lord of your life. You say, Not my will, God. Your will. That's happiness, Lord. You want to say that? Well, these benefits that uh, He's been talking about, again, they are uh, deliverance. Anybody need deliverance from anything? Mm-hmm. There are, uh, you know, our children, our family bearing fruit. Everybody wants that. How about provision? Anybody go for provision? Yeah. That's in verse 13. Verse 14 is protection. That's what he's talking about. How many people want protection for yourself and your family? And then finally, happiness, blessing, prosperity, all of these things. So one thing that I noticed when I was reading this is I was like, it's how to get those things. Obviously, they're from the hand of the Lord, but there's a specific key that I found here in verse 5 and verse 7. Okay, and listen to what verse 5 says. It says, Part your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Part your heavens and come down. And then in verse 7, it says, Reach down your hand from on high. Well, you know how Byron's been talking to us in the past few weeks about, about living under an open heaven. Being a Jacob's ladder where the Bible says that the angels were ascending and descending in our lives. Okay, so living the spiritual, the supernatural life is the, key, is the key. When we live under an open heaven, then the doorway is open for all of these things to just naturally flow into our lives. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, it doesn't mean there won't be problems. It doesn't mean we won't face challenges. We wouldn't need protection if we didn't have a threat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But as in living the supernatural life, like Byron said, it even give you the gift, the gift of martyrdom, if it led to that. Mm-hmm. You know, if, yeah. if you had to die, you would no longer be, oh gosh, I don't want to die. What? You know, he's just like, all right, Lord, if you say it's my time, it's my time. Another thing in there I saw is it says that he'll give you the ability to make music, to make music. Uh, make my music. Bible went closed there, but it's in one of those verses right around five and yeah. seven. To make music, you know, David was talking about that. So, yeah, you yeah. musicians and artists, listen up. That's the key to making really good music. Yeah, <laughs> heavenly music. Open heaven. Well, so there's three things. Number one is submitting to the will of God. What is God doing now? Right, you have a personal issue. Uh, there's a personal issue in your life where you have to submit to the will of God. Corporately, what we want to do is we want to submit. God training you, equipping us for the supernatural, which means you have to bring your mind under subjection. Take every thought captive under Christ, 
quit believing the trash you're believing. Reject this trash. Reject this stuff. That says, oh, that ain't real. That's not God. We can't do this. You know, you gotta, you got to get a hold of that stuff and tell it no. And it comes into your mind. You just got to flat do that. That's how you do it. I, we had these people to pray for us recently. Went, I felt like the Lord, it was at the Seder dinner. We were sitting at the table and the Lord said, you need to get them people to pray for you. So I thought, yeah, because they were talking all this stuff, man, and saying stuff that we had said. I mean, and it was Judy Ball and her husband. Okay? They come here, y'all heard about that breakthrough angel? That's the first thing they said and they sat down. Yeah, we have. Well, heck, they started, we were over there in Nigeria. We got prayed for by this guy who, who uh, this Benson Idahosa guy. Wow, we got a, a ordained by this pastor who the Lord said, I'm going to give you that angel. We're in the perfect place. Thank you, Lord. Y'all are going to pray for us. I want you to pray more for me before you leave. Okay, we do the Seder dinner. Come back to my office, okay? Get back there. They're going to pray for us. She lays hands on my head, starts praying. I'm thinking, well, this doesn't seem like the Lord to me. This can't be God. I mean, it don't seem supernatural to me. Why do I ever do this? i got to sit back here and listen to them ramble on. That's what was going through my stupid mind. And I called it. I said, no, this is God. This is the enemy trying to rob me. He's giving me all these negative thoughts, and I'm believing them. And I took him captive. I said, I'm not believing you. Out. You're gone. You're done. I don't want to hear no more of this stuff. This is the Lord I receive. It was powerful, wasn't it? You see what I'm saying? That's how you do it. It really is how you, you take your thoughts captive, as the Bible says to do. <laughs> take every thought captive. Hello? What are we supposed to What thoughts? The negative thoughts, the unbelieving thoughts, the crummy thoughts, the nasty thoughts, the ugly thoughts. The natural man cannot know the things of the Spirit. Take them captive. Let the Spirit of God teach you something new. Anyways, <laughs> here's something, as I shared early. Let me put that First Peter 2.24. This is the Lord's focus to me this week. First Peter 2.24. And then, then it was after this, I found out about you know, the healing thing. Anybody here, you don't have to raise your hands, ladies, that have a lump in your breast or anything like that, Cindy Schaefer will lay hands on you and pray for you and the Lord will heal you. And the Lord heals you. She has one healing people. Women of breast cancer. Here we have the again. Alright, listen. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we haven't died to sins. Okay? That's pretty basic. We died with Christ. Get that. You're sinning. You, you're dead to all that. Quit doing it. You're dead, dead men. You, you're supposed to be dead. Don't act alive. Act dead. You might live for righteousness. Live for righteousness. Live the new life, the righteous life. By whose stripes you were healed. And here's what the Lord, I looked up that healed, that word healed there. Because, you know, there's been all these things about it. Well, that's just because, you know, you're healed because of your carnal life. But this is what the word means, okay? This is the literal meaning so when Peter wrote it, this is what he was saying. This is what it means. This is the Bible. The will, healing is a medical term. It means physical healing or curing of the body. That's what that word, by his stripes, you were physically healed or your body was cured. By his stripes. That's what the Bible says. Now we have to make a choice. Well, I, I've prayed for people. I didn't see them healed. It doesn't matter. What does the Bible say? We've got to connect in what the Bible says. And it says that, Lord, so I'm going to pray. All I have to do is pray. I don't heal nobody. It says that. Uh, duh. It didn't say me praying for people and get them healed. Okay, it says his stripes is what heals them. All I'm doing is I'm a conduit to the blood of Jesus, to the stripes of Christ that heals to come into that person. I'm just obeying the Lord. You know, I'm just this dumb idiot. Okay? So I, I want us to really see these testimonies of healing. If God's trying to say something to us, He's saying, I'm trying to get you guys connected into the supernatural. I'm trying to tell you something. Listen. Besides the fact that He loves people and He wants to help them. The last thing is, I had a dream last night. Anybody here know, y'all know what Aladdin's lamp is? Okay, it was this thing you rub and this genie would come out and help you. And someone, maybe a lady actually, I'm, I'm not sure, but has got something either in your past or right now that you think is harmless. Okay, spiritually. 
but it is wicked. Because in the dream, this a genie came out in the dream. And I was with this person. I don't know who they were. I didn't see this. The genie popped out of the old lamp. And I had to deal with this genie. I bound that genie. I've wrapped, I mean, you should have seen that. I wrapped ropes around him from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. Okay, you can't wrap ropes around something spiritual. You can with spiritual ropes, though. It's the Lord's ropes. But I feel like the Lord was showing me this because I feel like there may be somebody here or maybe in the earlier, they never came up, or, or somewhere I'm going to run into. You've got to get this thing out of your life. You are messing with something that's going to hurt you. Okay? It's going to hurt you spiritually. You don't, and I've read a little bit of that story, and it's not a good thing. Even reading the story, it was all based on a, on a lie. It was all based on a magician. It was all based on magical stuff that's, that's wicked. So I'm just saying, anybody here who may have that, you got something on that, Don? Demon? Wow. So you see, you are exposing yourself to the, a demonic thing getting you. And if you know, if the Lord may have spoken to you right now and told you what it was. See, it's not something that looks... Because in the, in the dream when I first saw it, I thought... The first thought was, was like, that can't be right. But then it was like, well, it's okay because there's nothing to it. That was sort of this justification thing that came. Where I should have said, no, heck, no, that ain't right. No bag on the lamp. You know, <laughs> we, ain't doing, we ain't doing this. this ain't, we don't play with those things. So if you've got that, I'll be, I'll be glad to help you. But you've got to get rid of it, whatever it is. And it could be from your past. I don't know. Like I shared earlier, is when I was a kid, I got into astral projection, which means, you know, your soul or whatever. I'm not sure what happens, but you come out of your body. Okay? And I sort of had forgotten I used to do that. I used to practice that because I was bored in school. <laughs> now, so I do it in the class. I was a bad kid. I was totally fascinated by the supernatural world. It's just I was pointed the wrong way. But the Lord reminded me of that about a year ago. He said, you really never dealt with that. And there's a door open in your life that you need to slam shut by renouncing ever having had anything to do with such a thing. And so, you know, just somehow you forget things. You know how it is. But the Lord just, I think, allowed that to happen just to teach me. So what we want to do this morning, we want to have a ministry time. Number one, if you feel like God, the sorrow thing, if you want to be prayerful about sorrow, please come up. We'll get a ministry team out here to pray for people, okay? If so, all right, y'all can get up now. That means if you're on a ministry team or you feel like you have one, you can get up and stand up here and face people. That's what you're supposed to do. So if you have this sorrow thing working in you, I believe you need to get free of it because you're gonna, you got temptations coming at you. It's a dangerous place. Number two, if you feel like you want to come and be prayed for about your will, that you want really want to submit your will to the Lord this morning. Just submit. I'm submitting. I'm getting down on my face. I'm humbling myself this morning to you, Lord. I want your will for my life. I'd like you to come, come for that. And the third thing is the healing. If you need healing this morning, come out here, Cindy. If you have, if you have any kind of...